And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast, episode 221. I know I'm right. I will not look it up. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Okay. Before we even get started, we got a little something special. Last week, it doesn't matter what time, <laughs> last week I spoke with Joe Firestone, comedian extraordinaire, very funny person, comedian, writer. She has a special over there on the Peacock, the Peacock Network, the Peacock Channel, <laughs> called uh, Good Timing with Joe Firestone. Now listen up, she did a, a workshop, a comedy workshop for 16 senior citizens leading up to their first ever live show, live stand-up show. Now, she started working with the class in March of 2020. And then over the course of the year, the course of the pandemic over Zoom, she held this class with these seniors. And I mean, these are senior citizens, not seniors in high school, not seniors in college. They're senior citizens. So she hosted this class. And guess what? They performed at the end of the class. They performed in person. Now, you can tell this is over the pandemic because at least one of them (laughs) has a a mask on. Three layers of mask, apparently. And it's great. Still a great special. In fact, I sat down with Joe to talk about the special. Along with one of the class attendees, the aforementioned person who wore three masks. These people are very funny. They're very charming. And I enjoyed my time with the special. It's a good hour-long special that uh, it's different than you know, than other than other specials. You know, sometimes I, I watch a special, I'm sent a special, and it's, you know, regular just stand-up. And, wh- and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want I want to break boundaries. <laughs> I, I like it, I like it when comedians get out there and do something different. And this is different. This is a comedy class with seniors recorded live. It's wonderful. It's directed by Julie Miller, executive produced by Miller and Joe. And it's actually streaming today, the day that you're listening to this, October 15th, 2020, 21. I hope I said 2021 correctly and not weird in any fashion. It is available right now over there on the Peacock Network channel. You know Joe from things like Shrill, Joe Parra talks with you, High Maintenance, as well as uh, some work she's done for The Tonight Show. She performed on Tonight Show as well as written written for it. And she was also on The Chris Gethard Show. So yeah, Joe's great. I really want to talk to her. And, uh, I'd, uh, and then I watched this special as a result. And it was still surprising and oh so good. So check it out. Oh, by the way, I'm talking. I talk. I spoke to Joe. I spoke to Joe and Teresa, um, the the uh, the the young woman with the three masks on. And uh, it's a short one, so that's why it's not broken out into its own uh, episode. But I'm, I'm glad I got what I could get. So that will be coming up in just a couple of seconds. But don't go away after that. If you're watching the video, you uh, and I. God, I hope you are. Mm, I hope you are. You're seeing me talk about this 
but then it's going to transition to the regular podcast. And, uh, and so the video version of the interview will be broken out by itself on youtube.com slash equals comedy. So if you're watching the video version, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to the audio version, don't go anywhere. Cause you'll get the interview right here in the middle of the episode. That's how technology works. Let's see. I, uh, what I'm four minutes and 30 seconds in, I can vamp for a little bit longer. <laughs> get this an even five, baby. So check out the, the special on Peacock. Good timing with Joe Firestone. You can follow her on the Twitters and the Instagrams at all the appropriate places. I guess I should find that. Let's see. Joe Firestone. I'm, I'm way over time now. <laughs> Joe Firestone Twitter. You can find her on Twitter at Joe Firestone. You can find her on Instagram at Yo-Yo Firestone. Facebook and apparently her LinkedIn is <laughs> like right next to this stuff. Anyway, all right, we are going to go to break. Enjoy this interview. Here it is. All right. Well, uh, I only have you for a short time, so I guess we'll get right to it if that's okay. Hi. All right, Joe. Uh, so. I uh, saw that, I was just, I watched the special, I saw that you had this pure, just face of elation during every part of the special, during every part of the class. Uh, how how did it feel uh, seeing these people go up there and do these jokes for the first time? It was so exciting, it was, because we've only been on Zoom, you know, so there's like a little bit of a element that's it's great to see people on zoom but it, there's an element that's missing and it feels so cool to see people succeed in real life and, and teresa for you how did how did feel doing those classes feel uh especially after you know if, if in the in the special it felt it felt so expedient but to you I, I guess you know these lasted for a while so what was that like for you to go through the class stage and then go into the final stage of actually doing the jokes in front of a crowd well, I love Joe's type of humor, and I love how she conducts the class. So um, it seemed like a natural progression. And I can tell you, I never realized how much I loved to laugh until I started taking Joe's class. Uh, you know, it's just miraculous. That's all I can say. And so it, it felt pretty natural to go from being on Zoom to being in person. Um, you know, there were 16 of us, and everybody is so different and so funny in a different way. Hmm. Yeah. I Joe, it, it, I, I liked, you were very humble around them. You are very, like, you didn't try to upstage them. Uh, uh, you know, you're a very good comedy teacher. Um, did you, what did you what did you take away from the experience? Did you did you happen to learn anything from, from these people? Not just about their lives, but about comedy in general? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this was kind of a weird time for comedy. Uh, the last kind of year and a half has been pretty hard for people that are used to performing live to not perform live anymore. And um, so it was kind of nice to be around people that really wanted to keep writing and keep making jokes. And um, it was very encouraging because I, I felt like, well, what's the point? 
when it was just like a fun when there were just like Zoom classes or whatever. I mean Zoom shows. I just thought like, oh, it's like I I didn't really like doing Zoom shows and yeah, I think that I I didn't I I think that this was like a very nice way to continue to remember that comedy is fun. Yeah, I I think the the best part about the the situation is how you approach teaching comedy to to uh, newcomers essentially even if they had you know been on stage or in acting uh it's like when you started out with the class saying okay just give me your dirtiest joke and so you can just get that out of the way and then you can and then these people learn by the end of the special at least how to tell real constructed jokes uh, and that that was that was a very special thing yeah Teresa, you're not as dirty as everybody else though i'd say you're on the clean side I'm, I, you know what I like best is humor that doesn't hurt anybody, and I, I think that a lot of the comedians have, have, you know, it, it's gone in the wrong direction. Like I, I insult somebody and they act like it didn't hurt their feelings, and that's supposed to be funny. What I, can I tell you the joke that really, I, it was in our second class a year and a half, almost more than a year and a half ago, when we were still meeting in person. Mm-hmm. And that joke, I'm like, I will never leave this class. And I don't remember who told the joke, but here mm-hmm. it is. And you can analyze it backwards and forwards. The one, it was a woman who told it. And I think the, 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 the assignment was something that happened to you in New York. So the woman said, I rushed into the subway, and there was this huge rat. He was enormous. And then he was so polite, he got up and gave me a seat. And you've remembered that ever since. That is one of the funniest jokes I ever heard. I, I don't know why. It just tickles me. It doesn't hurt anybody. And, you know, there's a, a, sub, a subtle, very gentle political statement there. You know, we're taught to hate rats. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with rats? They're trying to live like anybody else. You know, they eat the garbage on the street. That's very beneficial. Um, whatever. <laughs> But, you know, we're taught to hate them. But, you know, they're okay. They're just just animals trying to live like everybody else. So I did hear hear recently that rats eat pigeons. I just, I'm just putting that out there. Well, I think we have enough pigeons not to run out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wow, the pro-rat stance incredible you know i i'm not crazy about rats but that joke was very funny to me it's great wow good memories uh, Teresa, what are you are you using any of this uh what you've learned from the comedy class in real life are you do you still want to go do open mics or anything do you still want to chase that dragon you know i i would if it wasn't for the pandemic i um have lung issues from being exposed to asbestos a long time ago and, you know, getting any kind of um, COVID on top of that is probably not too good for me. <laughs> I mean, the, I'm, I'm the one that was wearing the mask time that they were shooting the film. That's right. You were wearing three masks and you, you taped them down. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, I was trying to place your face and I couldn't. I, yeah, I had taped to make sure, you know, because I'm really short. That none of the COVID would like you know, 
<laughs> you know, I heard uh, I heard uh, the rats. They were actually passing COVID. You know, they would, you know, they would pass it from the from the subway cars. They would offer you seats and they just cough on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't met one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, now, uh, what what was the the party bus, the party bus experience? Uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of people just getting on a bus a couple of hours before showtime and hanging out, enjoying their really warm, sparkling cider. Uh, uh, whose idea was that, Joe and uh, Teresa? Did you enjoy your your experience with that? Was that was that fun for you? Well, I loved everything. I loved I loved it from the first time Joe said we might be able to do this I I just had a good time every single thing well the, I think you get the positive attitude award for sure the, uh, the party bus was our director Julie Miller's idea but it was um, yeah it was pretty glorious everybody we didn't we thought that maybe once everybody came on the bus like it might take some like coaxing to get everybody in the right mood but somehow the party bus really set everybody off in this direction of like really going hard. It was it was beautiful. <laughs> and uh, and I, I want to get to my, my last couple of questions here, uh, Teresa. For show night, how did how did how did you feel uh, going up on show night? Like, did you did, were were there any nerves? Were you ready? Were you prepared? Did you did you feel like you were able to to go in front of this crowd and, and do your five minutes? Um, well, I haven't seen the final cut of, of the film, so I don't know what to say, but um, I did have a little brief two-second freak-out while I was starting my, my monologue. Um, I hope they cut that. But, um, did you really? I didn't notice that. You didn't notice that? Good. I noticed. But um, I, I'll show you my, my prop. Hold on. Um, I did the thing on baldy lash, you know, bald eyelashes. <laughs> and here's my my wonder wiki white. Yeah, we saw the ones. from baldy lash. That's where you have bald eyelashes and the sweat runs down your face into your eyes because you don't have enough eyelashes. So, um, no, I think once I got started, I was just having a good time. And, uh, and and Joe, do you have any do you have any uh, parting words for any future uh, elderly veterans, older veterans of uh, comedy? Um, that uh, it's I I guess I don't, I'm not sure. I guess that it's um, we have a fun class, and I'm glad that it's I, it's gotten me through a lot of uh, dark times. So I'm I'm grateful for the class. That's so sweet. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Teresa. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Chad. It was lovely talking to both of you. Well, thank thanks you so for having us on your podcast and your website. We really appreciate it. Of course. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week, and uh, and, and good luck with everything else. Thank you. You thank too. You. Bye. Okay, bye. And we're back. <laughs> Let me. I, I want to give you if you uh, if you just listened to the first five minutes of um, this and you're and you're just watching it. If you're just watching it, let me explain to you 
what just happened? <laughs> did the, I did that five-minute prelude talking about Joe Firestone special called Good Timing Over There on Peacock. And I did, I did the thing, <laughs> and I leaned out for a second <laughs> as, a, as the uh, Going to Break song played. And, and, now, and then I just leaned back, and now we're doing this. What's going on in my life? Well, I'm wearing a, uh, a Braves postseason shirt because they are now in the uh, C- uh, CLS, ACLS. Excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm also opening emails. <laughs> I, just, I just talked about good timing with Joe Firestone and NBC Universal's press people just sent me the very same email I was looking at. <laughs> Thank God. Like, PR people are good. How they know I'll be talking about it at noon? It's probably a time-release email. I do those all the time. So I'm wearing a, a, a Braves postseason shirt from, I believe, the year 2013. I don't like to go uh, to, to uh, Braves games, um, mostly because a bunch of racists attend those games. And uh, just don't play it on doing that. Hanging out with those racists. <laughs> I think I've told that story before how I didn't stand up for um, the seventh inning stretch and, it, uh, and they played God Bless America or, and the guy was like, you didn't stand up for the God Bless America. You didn't stand up. He goes, you didn't stand up for the, the national anthem. He goes, what are you, Muslim? Excuse <laughs> me? Also, the same person, he was wearing uh, cargo shorts. I'll just grab this person for you. He's wearing cargo shorts. really peeking over here. He's wearing cargo shorts. Uh, he had a Mountain Dew bottle that he was in, that was in one of his cargo pockets, and uh, cargo short pockets. I like to say cargo pockets, and he was spitting dip into it. This is not. I'm not. I'm not building this up. He was spitting dip into it, and they got stadium nachos. And he uh, sits down next to his friend. He goes, "Man, these are the best nachos I ever had. Have you had these nachos?" <laughs> but it was like the very crappy, uh, melted like the, the cheese in a packet. That they squeezed into there, that they put in the fr- microwave, probably the fridge too, and then they just like it was just the ve- the circular uh, uh, nacho, um, uh, God, what's it called? Yeah, nacho chip. So I chose not I choose not to go there anymore. Like <laughs> uh, I can just watch it at home. Yeah, but the, you can feel the roar of the crowd. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need to feel the roar of the crowd. I don't need any of that. I'm st- I, this is what's going on in the back of my head as I tell that story. Should I have given enough padding between starting the second half of this show in that first half and the end of the first half? Because I, like, truly, after this outro break ended, I just leaned back up and said, let's do this. <laughs> I also have to do news time. I'll tell you right now, at this point in time, uh, news time is not done. I know, this, I know what the topic is. It's hockey. Um... The hockey, hockey returns, and how there's a, it's about Warner, and uh, their big bet on airing hockey on TNT. Uh, I also don't know, <laughs> I do have a new job, and it is at Warner uh, Media, and I also don't know if I'm allowed to do stories on Warner. <laughs> and uh, as I say, I have a new job. It is the lunch hour, so I had to record this episode about five hours earlier <laughs> than I usually do it. Uh, and I do have my, my work laptop 
sitting next to me. I'm constantly looking at Slack. So if you see me look off to my to camera left, my right, I'm constantly looking at Slack and my email to make sure I'm not receiving anything I need. Okay. What else is going on? So I got the job and uh, the shirt. <laughs> that game is Sunday. And I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to go to it. I'm going to watch it. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's all I got. That's all. Oh, that, uh, there's a, oh, the rocks vanity fair profile. I did not put it in here. Uh, cause I don't think it's needs to be discussed. <laughs> usually I, I pick up, like I'll, usually I'll do a profile thing. Um, I'll do a profile. I'll, I'll, you know, talk about a profile, but, uh, yeah, the vanity, the, the rocks van. I just want to, I'll, just, I'll go over this briefly. The rocks vanity fair profile. Usually you find things out about people that you never find out or they talk about something that uh, they were, you know, something in the news that they were a part of. And uh, like how The Rock had a uh, a little disagreement, a feud with Vin Diesel for uh, Fast and Furious. And the reporter, the, excuse me, the writer of the article. All right, I'm just going to bring it up. I'm sorry. This is I, I don't want to, but I'm going to. So this is the, I'm not going to even, I might add it to the docket. It's too much work to do that though. Chris Heath, he and Chris Heath have known each other for uh, about 20 years now because Heath has been writing profiles on The Rock for that long. And so uh, we get, so it's a a cover profile for Vanity Fair magazine and uh, they talk about um, the feud with Vin Diesel and that feud really encompassed, all it was is, uh, it's just two heads butting, two very you know testosterone-filled heads butting over the Fast and the Furious, and uh, and and them you know just talking, talking vaguely and uh, quite frankly nonsense, non-speak about why they don't um, get along or whatever. And The Rock commented on that, and I think the feud is over. I feel like it's over, and I feel that he can come back in ten and eleven, in Fast and Furious ten and eleven. He needs to because F nine, he was missed in that. Apparently, people didn't like F nine. I really enjoyed that. This is why I don't read reviews. I enjoy just watching things. Now, did I watch Malignant last Friday night? Was I bored? Did I get up multiple times during that movie and leave the room to do something something else? Oh, now's a good time to to add a little bit more cat litter to the cat box at 10 p.m. on a Friday night. Uh, they talked about The Rock's uh, jumping into uh, professional wrestling, uh, the reason why he did it, how he did it, uh, how his very oh god rocky relationship with his father. Um, you know, I always I always forget. Even in I've even watched the show, his uh, the show uh, Young Rock, uh, which is fantastic. Truly, it's so good. Um, and I and there's I still found out things. I still I mean I, I was reminded of things in here like that he's half black. I just because he 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 turns and he stares into the Samoan side so often that you forget uh, that he's also half uh, black. But yeah, his dad's black Canadian. Also, The Rock is 49. And uh, he was cut from the Canadian Football League at age 22, and that's when he decided he was going to do um, wrestling. They also have a picture of him shirtless, and it's from behind. And 
my God, he still looks so svelte. And he's he's just this giant, giant man. And also, they talk about his cheat days, and I love his cheat days. It's, they only mention it in passing, but I still I still love that. He's a he's a uh, in-shape guy that loves a cheat day. They talk to Oprah. They talk to Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot. Anyway, good profile. Check it out. I guess I'll have to link it now. Whatever. What's coming up next? Okay, so here's next. This comes from Deadline, written by Dade Hayes. G4 sets date for return to linear TV on Verizon, Fios, uh, Cox, Xfinity TV, and Philo. So I do want to. I do want to tackle. So G4 TV uh, used to be Tech TV. It was a cable channel, uh, linear cable channel that was about in the early 2000s. That was about in yeah early 2000s. I was gonna say late 90s, but I don't recall. Uh, also, don't know if we had the channel in the late 90s. Um, but it was about uh, just video games and nerd culture and all that stuff. I hate the word nerd culture. The phrase, whatever. And it is, it, and it was, you know, in its heyday, I mean, that's why they call it a heyday. It was so good. It was just, it was cheap. Oh, that was my chair. I thought the camera turned off. It was cheap. It was cheaply made. Everything was cheaply made. And, um, and it was before, you know, before the internet was what it is today. Uh, it was just uh, enjoying the the tech and uh, and geeky worlds and video game and uh, shows like X Play and Cheat and Attack of the Show and Screensavers and the Arena, which is like esports before esports, and oh my gosh, just so many great shows. Then it went away because things like Twitch and YouTube and just the internet in general became such a, uh, more viable than let's let's watch uh this review of a video game on on cable and then everybody left because uh it was it was owned by um the network was owned by uh E who owns E they they worked in the same offices as E so who owns E NBC Universal uh it went away and you know, some people went off and basically did the same thing. Uh, Adam Sessler went to Rev Three Games, which, <laughs> which I think died like a year or two after he went there, um, and then he just, you know, was just this old guy on Twitter just talking about video games. Uh, but now he's back, and then Kevin Pereira tried to keep uh, Attack of the Show alive with um, many a couple of different iterations, uh, both on the internet, both. You know, with with whatever iterations uh, were on the internet under the attack, uh, and then that died. They got a they got a big boost from from Disney, big boost from Disney, a big boost from Disney, and uh, and then that eventually died because they went back to linear because Disney tried to do uh, a gaming like segment. I've done an episode of News Time on that, um, and then that died, and then and I believe one of the hosts has been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Kevin wasn't hosting that, but uh, I don't think it was a good workplace for anybody. So, any woman, really. Uh, and so, <laughs> go, go read up on that. I had, to, I had to do a lot of research for that one. Jeez. Um, personal reason. I just, I just read. I didn't do an episode of News Time on that. So, and, and, then, and then Morgan Webb and uh, Kristen and just a bunch of, and Olivia Munn obviously became a big actress. She was on Attack of the Show and then one day she just never showed up again. <laughs> and so now it's returning November 16th. Very long prelude to say that. 
on Fios, Cox TV, Xfinity TV, and Philo. And so three of those are just regular cable. Philo is streaming cable. Uh, I hope at some point they break out. I mean, I think they're going to break everything out, you know, onto much like a, a late night with Seth Meyers. They break every single piece of every show out onto the YouTube and uh, they'll still have their, you know, they, they've been doing live stuff on Twitch and uh, YouTube.com. But it's just, I, it just, it's just not the same because they're pulling in. I, th- I know times change. And I know that it is best to, uh, to they're bringing, you know, that early 2000s mentality where everything was cheap and, you know, they had to find the funny and the interesting and what they were talking about and bring it and, and now bring it into the modern day 2021 era. And they've been so they've been doing things since uh, the early summer, I believe. Uh, and I have not seen one more than 10 seconds because quite frankly, it is just not my flavor because the thing is they've, they brought in uh, a lot of, you know, Oh, Chris Hardwick. I forgot about Hardwick. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about Hardwick. Um, he was part of the early 2000, uh, the early G4 stuff, but they, they brought in a lot of, uh, and Matt Myra closed out, but they brought in a lot of younger video game playing people from Twitch and YouTube and uh, personalities. And I just don't like them at all. I don't like any one of them. And I, you know, I'm glad they're making money. I'm glad they're happy. Uh, I just don't like them. And I don't think they're funny. And I think a lot of, a lot of people who play video games online, say probably say 99% of them <laughs> are just a bunch of screamers. And that's where they think, you know, they think screaming and cursing. And that's, that's where the funny is. And no, I don't think that's where the funny is. Um, so it's coming back on all of these uh, these cable-ish platforms and cable platforms. Uh, I don't. I I would. I can't wait to see them expand into uh, Hulu with live TV and YouTube TV. The the ones that are and Sling. You know the three popular ones versus Philo. <laughs> um, and uh, and you know Pluto TV because even even with the free the free stuff Pluto TV. And uh, Tubi and, and and the ones where they have co- continuous channels, Samsung, um, Samsung TV, I think this was called, uh, LG channels, you know, all the free ones and Roku channels, all the free ones that people already have, uh, they're not going to go seek out. No one, like I don't think one person on this planet, you know, you, you know, and uh, let's say they live in a big market like New York and and they have Cox TV and they're like, Oh my God, it's, it's coming to Cox. I can't wait. Like, I don't think one person is, is doing that. Uh, they have a new, they have a uh, new people behind the scenes. Josh Sella, chief revenue officer of G4 inspector spectator gaming. He called the network a pioneer for, okay, whatever. I don't really give a crap what he says. G4 said its programming will be produced and delivered through a first-of-its-kind 24-7 broadcast studio featuring a collaborative workspace and professional esports and gaming environment. The space is designed by architectural firm Populous, whose credits include projects at Yankee Stadium, Red Bull HQ, and esports stadium Arlington. I think the Red Bull HQ is the most important part of that. I don't know what they would have done at Yankee Stadium, and also I don't know what's at Yankee Stadium. Maybe they do have an esports section, or maybe they just have like a sports entertainment section for people to like experience section for people to you know do um batting and uh 
<laughs> you know, things like that. But the Red Bull HQ, because they're a big name in esports, is a, uh, yeah. Okay. So shows that are coming to the network, Attack of the Show. We know Attack of the Show is coming back. X-Play is coming back. Attack of the Show is their, basically their chat show variety show. It's very, it's very fun. Uh, and when it's not forced to be funny, it's it's very funny. And God, I hope they have some funny hosts. Because it lives or die by that. Lives or dies by that. X-Play. X-Play is their video game review show. It's going to be digital first content brand that balances an authoritative loudmouth confidence. Yeah. So digital first. So they're going to definitely break out episodes on their first. You know, chunks of episodes. Uh, Boosted is a weekly esports comedy series. Don't need, don't, don't know. <laughs> Just do a new show. Ninja Warrior, that is the show that helped build this, like Ninja Warrior, uh, American Ninja Warrior, Ninja Warrior, all that stuff is only popular in America because of G4. So they're bringing the original uh, Japanese version, the Tokyo Broadcasting System Television Incorporated version. ESL Gaming. There's going to be several primetime sports esports programs. Great. Cool. And Dungeons and Dragons Limited Series. Huh. Okay. I don't know if that's going to evolve, but whatever. I can't I I uh, I want to see what is what is up with this. And uh yeah, I I I'm excited. I just closed something I should not have. I don't know what that is. And we will see. I'll just close my calendar. I got to see what all my meetings are, baby. All right, let's move on. This next one comes from the rap written by Brian Welk. Golden Globes will be awarded in 2022 without NBC telecast. So if you don't know, Hollywood Foreign Press Association got in a lot of trouble last year because there aren't any people of color. Uh, well, excuse me, there aren't any black people and the HFPA organization, uh, what it is is HFPA. You're so they're they're supposed to be representative of the. They're not supposed to be, but people want them to be, and it is smart for them to be. And so they're so they're supposed to be representative of. Uh, they're made up of journalists from around the world, who then vote for the Golden Globes. So it's usually like one or two journalists, you know, from like Spain or France. China, you know, things like that. America. And it, it was found out last year that they didn't have any black people inside of their ranks. And then uh, people got upset, rightfully so. Uh, and, and just and just a bunch of other stuff. Um, like, it, it's, just, it's just a whole slew of things. And I've covered this, you know, once or twice. Uh, so just, just search HFPA on C plus comedy. <laughs> It's getting so lazy. No, I'm not getting lazy. And then at one point, NBC Universe. So people were like, "We're going to give back our Golden Globes." Uh, and then, I, I mean, they're they're taking this more seriously than uh, than the Oscars not nominating people of color. Period. Come on, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. It's like they turn a blind eye to the Oscars, but they don't say anything about the. Uh, I mean, but they do everything about the clubs. So NBC Universal, which owns NBC, uh, broadcasting network, 
the national broadcasting company. I don't know if that was, that's what it stands for. They said that early, like early, like early on last year, they said they were not going to air the Golden Globes in 2022 because of this controversy. And they've stuck by it. Like if, like I think in the past, if somebody, like if a network said that, then the HFP, like the you know the one organization would talk to the other organization and they'd work something out. But this is just. NBC, NBC said no, and then all the other broadcast networks are like, we ain't doing this one either. So, so the 79th Globes will still go on. The 79th Globes will still go on. So here's the deal. LA Times found out that the HFPA had no black journalists among its 87 members. And that's when everybody started boycotting. Scarlett Johansson, Tom Cruise were among the people who said... We're going to give back our Golden Globe trophies. There's been no move on any of this. So uh, in the past year, HFPA has been uh, getting a new board of directors, added a diverse group of 21 new members, record, recruited rather three non-members uh, for its board of directors, and even partnered with the NAACP to regularly review their diversity goals, among other steps. They lost the CEO. They lost a bunch of people. You know, just it's it's very it's very interesting to see uh, how quickly they move. But they, it seems as though no one's really taken it seriously. Like no one outside of the organization is uh, is 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 you know following suit and saying, okay, we'll we'll go to the Globes or whatever. But I think we'll have a more definitive uh, decision for that stuff come December. Because the Globes are still, they're like, they're the second biggest award in North America. <laughs> I think it's, I think it goes Oscars, Globes, Emmys. Only because they also do movies. Actually, I think it's Oscars, Emmys, Globes. So third, they're third biggest. Tonys, Grammys. And then the rest. And then there's also the BAFTAs, of course, but that's uh, over there, Joy Old England. Which also does not have a lot of people in color, like people of color. Period. Interesting. I think. I think. I yeah. We'll definitely have more of an answer come December, January, around that time. Hey, let's move on to this final story. This comes from Crystal Echo Hawk. Over at Variety, indigenous representation is still scarce in Hollywood. It's a guest column. That's a cool name, and I know she's an indigenous person. But Crystal Echo Hawk is just a cool name. That's a cool name. So this uh, coincided with Indigenous Peoples, and, excuse me, Indigenous Peoples Day, and uh, it's a very good look at what Native people have uh, in America in terms of representation uh, on in television and film. Versus what is sorely, sorely missing. And this goes back to previous topics on this show where I don't, I talk not just about uh, what's missing for, for, uh, for blacks, but also for the uh, LGBTQ community. Just got to speed right through it. (laughs) So many letters. I'm kidding. LGBTQ community. And then also, for uh, for Asians, what's missing for Asians? What's missing for Indians? What's missing for uh, Latinos, the natives, 
and everybody, everybody, women. I can't wait till someone does a, there's not enough men in television story. <laughs> there's not enough men. There's too many women. How many women do we really need on screen at a time? Okay. So, Crystal Echo Hawk co-led the Reclaiming Native Truth study, which is one of the largest investments of its kind to Indian country to understand how critical the visibility, this is, I'm reading directly from the piece, of Native peoples is to increasing public support on the issues that impact Native communities. So let's get into some numbers. Data from the Reclaiming Native Truth found that the inclusion of Native characters in primetime television and popular films ranged from 0 to 0.4%. Subsequent studies have found very little movement forward in Native representation. And it's true because we still don't see uh, uh, Native people playing, you know, even major characters in uh, shows or anything. And if they do, they're just going to be playing that stereotypes, but they're only going to be playing Native people. But now, hold on, let's just move on. Let's move into this. In 2020, University of California, Los Angeles published the Hollywood Diversity Report, which is something I have assuredly talked about, <laughs> most assuredly talked about which analyzed content from 2018 and 2019. The report found native representation to be between 0.3 and 0.5% in film. In television, it's almost not there. It's between 0 and 0.6. Oh. (laughs) Is it email? I need to send. That was a Slack message, if you don't know that noise. (laughs) All right. See, this is why you got to have the computer open right next to you. The 2021 Hollywood Diversity Report showed native representation in film stagnant at 0.6%. These reports also found that creative roles like writers or directors showed virtually no native representation. I think, uh, and then I think of all the, in the entertainment industry, of all the, um, the types of writers varieties the flavors of writers out there uh i do believe that while there there are very 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 little numbers for native writers and producers i do think that they have uh the most tight-knit community because of that uh, which is also a a bad bad thing to, to hear um like the only reason that they can get work is because they have to come together uh, and so, and the only reason I say that is because, uh, there are, hold on, I want to do, I want to get his name right. Let's see. Uh, there are writers like Joey Clift, who is like, I think every one of his tweets is, uh, truly just about, um, the native community and the native entertainment community, uh, in general. And he's he's a very funny guy, very smart, and uh, and so. But the things that I see on his uh, on his pages are are talking about that stuff. So now we have 
So now we know that we have there. There's I think representation, you know, when it does happen, it really does stick out to me. Like this is like why I've, I've mentioned this a hundred times. I'm not watching anything without any people of color. Like if it doesn't have any people of color, I'm not watching it. And uh, and now if they I've decided if there's not if there are people of color, they have to be in substantial roles. I'm not I'm not going to watch something where uh, where he's where there's, uh, you know, one one Mexican person and and uh, at, at a sea of white people. And their one line is, hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and that's the only thing I can't watch that. No, I don't want to. No matter how good it is. So I'll never see a um, what's his name? What's the what's the guy who did uh, Shaun of the Dead? I have and I Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright, and I have most of his movies on, you know, uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, it's funny. I just I bought the um, Shaun of the Dead, the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and the World Ends With You, <laughs> the end of the world. World Ends With You is a, J- a Japanese RPG game <laughs> that I've never played. Um, but I have I have that on uh, in 4K. It was on sale for like uh, 15 or 18 dollars uh, over the summer. And I bought that. And I watched Shaun of the Dead, and uh, hey, he wrote the N-word into the script in 2004, uh, which, not funny. <laughs> not funny then, not funny now. And and then, but I look at the cast across those movies, and I don't care if it's set in England or in Ireland or whatever, it's still no people of color. Like, zero at all. So I just had no interest. In it. Like, it's just, yeah, whatever. But it, but my 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 thing is, I, it, it only, it's only for new stuff. Like if it's something from the 80s, I can't get mad at something from the 80s or 90s, you know, early 2000s. If there's no people of color, like so, like people getting mad at friends, <laughs> like, yeah, OK, great. But get mad at get mad at uh, 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 one of your little Disney movies where everybody has to be uh, one color and be from one continent. John Oliver made a uh, a Marvel joke on uh his late in the latest episode of uh, last week tonight and the audience turned on him so fast and i thought it was so funny he's it was i'm uh of course i'm ruining the joke i'm butchering it but he he said uh it's just gonna be i forgot what the setup was but then he said it's just gonna be like a vapid uh, empty experience where there's nothing of sustenance happening like the marvel universe and the audience went oh and I just thought, guys, it's true. And also, don't go to the topic if you just don't want to laugh. It's just a bunch of jokes. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And that was a very good joke. Get all angry over uh, He made fun of Marvel. He made fun of my Disney movie. <laughs> so let's get back to this. So the native representation... When I see it, it's or when I see any type of representation, uh, it sticks in my head. Oh, you know what? It shows like uh, a show called The Other Two, and I'll get I'll get back to the name of the thing in a second. Uh, on HBO Max, used to be on Comedy Central, I believe, but now it's on HBO Max, starring Drew Tarver, uh, uh, Molly Shannon, uh, uh, and a, a bunch of other people. It's a it's a very funny show, but when I watch that, especially in the second season. Uh, especially with my new parameters for watching television and movies, I think, like, I, I see the secondary characters they choose, like, they have to choose these people to be in the show and to have lines in the show, and every single one of them for, like, five straight episodes, besides Wanda Sykes, 
was white and I just couldn't I just couldn't understand why <laughs> like you guys I know I know the creators are pretty di- like di- they have uh, diverse thoughts and you know they're both from SNL and uh, they're great people one of them's from college humor and I just think that you could you have all the chances in the world to you're making a show that involves uh, the queer community and uh, and and it's about women and but every character you choose that is supporting or ancillary is those might be the same words <laughs> is uh, white and it just doesn't make sense to me like every like uh, Drew Tarver uh, his character is gay just like him in real life and every guy like his his boyfriend is white but every guy he hooked up with uh, after he and his boyfriend broke up spoiler alert uh was white until like the second to last episode, which I, I just don't, it just is mind boggling. It's mind boggling. And the show is set in New York. But friends would say New York and do with no people of color. It was 1994. I mean, you just can't do anything about that. Just like, just like when I, I was, I watched Top Gun. I, I just bought Top Gun. <laughs> so I watched Top Gun for the first time. <laughs> One black character for the entire Air Force. <laughs> and while I enjoyed my time with that movie, I sat there. It's like 1986. No people are going in this one. So there you go. So now, back to this native representation. Like I said, it sticks out to me when I see any people of color and a majority white thing. And so now there are shows like Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs. Uh, both are so funny, so funny. It's so good. Check them both out. Rutherford Falls is on Peacock and Reservation Dogs on FX. Uh, it's just both both great shows um, that don't wave. Uh, you know, if it was a uh, quite frankly a show about black people, they would wave. You know, the whole black thing in your face. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, I can point you to about uh, 40 shows on BET that do that. <laughs> but they're great shows. Great shows nonetheless. And then the, nonetheless. And then movies like Wild Indian and Night Raiders. I've only heard of Night and Raiders. I don't know what Wild Indian is. Anyway, uh, that's that's where the representation is. And all these reports, you know, we see... It's, it's so interesting. We see like a report and it says there aren't any uh, women directors or women producers or you know there, there aren't any uh, uh asian you know uh, uh actors or any and and we never act on it like it's always just numbers and we always just talk about it but no one ever acts on it and it's it's just frustrating to see because i would love for somebody to to start to start pushing that stuff forward and not just making and not just you know uh, green lighting the stories that are about someone's culture, but just putting somebody, putting a native person that's uh, a person that happens to be native in the lead of a show of a, of a, a CBS procedural or uh, a, a Latino person hosting a person that happens to be Latino and queer and they're hosting a Fox broadcasting um, a, a dance show because that's all they air now. We gotta move the we gotta move the ball forward. We can't just talk about it and then not do anything. Especially with all these people who have all this power. Michael B. Jordan was the only one to do anything after uh, well, him and Ava DuVernay and uh, probably and probably now a handful of people. But after uh, a couple years ago, 
when Francis McDormand stood up on that Oscar stage and said, two words, inclusion writer, and everybody stood up and clapped, but no one's done anything about it since. So let's do something about it. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where you can see me just uh, lean in <laughs> and unlock the iPad. And also interviews with your favorite comedians like Joe Firestone, whose new comedy special, Good Timing, is out available on Peacock. See what I did there? Also go to youtube.com slash comedy if you want to see a video version of that interview, which is the only way you can see that if you're watching the video version of this show. As well as a video version of the show, The Constitutionals Podcast, where I'm sitting in my one of two Brave shirts, both of which I bought in 2013. <laughs> one is a regular season shirt and one's a postseason shirt. <laughs> you get a video ver Oh, you can also see um, our premiere video show, News Time, which is not out yet, but it will be out prior to this episode, I think. I hope. <laughs> For the release of this episode, uh, well, I'll, and I'll talk about the uh, NHL. I was going to say the Navy. In the Navy. <laughs> I don't even have a title for this episode. We'll find out. We'll figure it out. Who gives a crap? YouTube.com slash C Comedy. See a video version of this show and uh, news time and the video interviews. We'll be talking about NHL for this week's episode of Newstime. Instagram, Twitter, at Seabulls Comedy. Me on Instagram and Twitter, at Chat Black White. Like us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends about this show, please. Wherever you get your podcast. The Constitutional's Podcast. That's it for us. Goodbye. Goodbye.